Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living A Course in Miracles. This is season four, and it's called The Journey. Episode 17, Miracles. Welcome back, and welcome to The Journey. The Journey series is a continuation of the book's teachings with more added life journeys and experiences to share. The Journey is our life here in this world. It is my hope that more people will see their lives as a journey, one of discovery, learning, and teaching those they encounter. The book that this entire podcast is centered around is simply called A Course in Miracles. I have read this book so many times, but never really put a lot of thought into why it was called A Course in Miracles. The book's first chapter starts with the meaning of miracles and gives 50 principles of miracles. Then throughout the book reaffirms that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. I think the problem in understanding what miracles are comes from our misunderstanding of what they are. I believe the book has this title because miracles are not complicated. Miracles are not grandiose or in in need of proof. Miracles do not happen in time. Miracles happen in the eternal. If you have listened to me for more than one podcast, then you'll know what I mean when I say the eternal. It is simply the now, this moment. I watched a Netflix series called Down to Earth, hosted by Zac Efron. In one episode, I believe it's the second episode of that series, he traveled to France. In France, there is a place called the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Lords. This episode talked about the sanctuary and how people from all over the world travel to it, travel there to be healed and healed by the water. The episode went on to tell the history about how a bishop has been assigned by the Catholic Church to investigate miracles. This has been in place since the late 1700s. To date, there's only been 70 miracles recognized and documented by this shrine since it started. There is a criterion, a specific criterion, that must be met for the Catholic Church to recognize the health event or healing as a miracle. And here's their criteria. First, the presence of the illness is confirmed in a diagnosed and verified by doctors. The second, the ailment is severe, not a headache or a flu. Third, the illness unexpectedly disappears. Fourth, the cure happens instantly. Fifth, the cure is complete. Sixth, the illness does not return. And seven, no miracle explanations can be found. Sorry, no medical explanations can be found. It is explained that cases are not considered until the healing is over a decade old due to one of the criteria stating that the illness cannot return. The show also says that over the past 135 years, out of 7,400 claims submitted to the Lord's Medical Bureau, only 70 have been substantiated and verified by the bishop as miracles. And the 70th one just occurred this last February. It appears that to some, miracles need verification. The Course in Miracles clearly states there are no difficulties in miracles. In this case, the Church and science have joined together to verify miracles. Well, I'm not going to judge the Catholic Church and its need to verify miracles, but it does appear that their idea of miracles seems to be only physical manifestations. They are looking for miracles in time. And it feels like faith and the belief in the power of God requires scientific verification. Also, that miracles are only health-related. We are all miracles. 
The Course says miracles are expressions of love, but they may not always have observable effects. The miracle is a learning device that lessens the need for time. It would stand to reason why we have set up a physical hierarchy in churches like Pope, cardinals, bishops, etc., and among all humans. If we believe that miracles happen every day and are the expressions of a universal power, then we would not need the hierarchy, now would we? Miracles are connections. They connect us to one another. The book states, and I quote, there is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. The miracle substitutes for learning that may have taken thousands of years. It does so by the underlying recognition of perfect equality of giver and receiver on which the miracle rests, end quote. The book is saying that miracles exist out of time. Miracles are also learning devices and that time has no relevance to them. It says it can take thousands of years, meaning human time, but we don't live for thousands of years, hence making the point of the eternal. A miracle is an equal exchange, and unless an exchange occurs, it's not a miracle. Miracles arise from a mind that is ready for them. The fact that you might not see the miracle itself is of no consequence to you. Miracles always bless you, even if you are unaware of them. Our ego minds would automatically think, then how will I know it's a miracle? I think that is what the church has got hung up on, the proof, the physical proof. It also seems to be upside down thinking that a religion based on faith in the unseen requires proof, the seen, over faith. Your spirit mind will tell you, you will know. Miracles are difficult to comprehend in a world that wants physical proof. We have religions that will not even consider it to be a miracle unless there is proof. Is faith in our Creator not about believing in something that cannot be proven? The book says that the belief in order of difficulty is the basis of what this world perception is. Our perceptions rest on differences. Illusions are always illusions of differences. Where do all these differences come from? They come from what we see. They are our physical perception of the world we live in. They have nothing to do with our eternal or spiritual presence or perception. It is the mind that interprets the eye's messages and gives them meaning for us. But the mind is the one who evaluates what we see, and so the mind is then responsible for what we see. It alone decides on what you see to be real or false, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. The body, in this case, the eyes, only relay the physical. It is the mind that interprets it. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind that is open to its spiritual existence will no longer acknowledge them. The shift to opening ourselves up to seeing and understand what we see is a shift in perception a shift that places everything you see into two categories and the acceptance that only one of those categories is real. The first category being sickness, fear, and attack. When you see sickness or experience it by believing in it, when you are afraid of your past, present, or future, when you attack people verbally, emotionally, or physically because their words or actions do not conform to your belief and what they should say or do, 
This is your ego. Your mind judging and deciding for yourself what is true or not true, true, real or not real for you. Your mind has categorized these things as real, so you made them real. You made that choice and you decided it was real for you. The second category being truth, love, joy, and happiness. When you open your mind to the experiences of others, the positive energy of the living organisms around you, energy is felt. You will no longer look at another in judgment, but acceptance. Acceptance of their truth, even if it appears to be that of sickness, fear, or attack. You will shift your mind from how it once interpreted what it sees to a new vision, an eternal one. You will remind yourself daily that this is the only moment that matters and past and future have no relevance. The choice seems so simple. Why would we choose fear over love? Why would we choose sickness over well-being? Why would we choose conflict and attacking others over joy and happiness? It almost seems insane that we do this. Miracles are seen and felt when you make this shift in perception. Miracles are are observed when you change how your mind interprets what your eyes see. Miracles are the gift you will give and receive in the equal exchange of love between your brothers and sisters. There is no order of difficulty in miracles, but there is an order of difficulty in what we let our minds interpret. I told a story about an experience I had in an earlier podcast. It was about a task my son was given by the church we were attending when he received his confirmation. He was given 10 $10 gift cards to give out to those he deemed in need. This was more of a burden to him than a task. My son is autistic, so his understanding of life is very concrete and literal. He does not grasp the concept of the, of the abstract. So when he was told to give it to those in need, this was confusing to him. He was unable to grasp the idea of identifying those in need. He does not see the world that way. So I tried to put it in a way that he would understand. And I told him that he should go with his gut instinct. And if he came across anyone he wanted to give a card to, then he would just give it to them. So... I kept the cards in my purse, and when he asked me for one at any time, I'd give it over to him so he could pass it along. Now, he's very smart and intuitive. When he sees a homeless person, he knows this is a person who needs assistance. So he had no problem figuring that out. And he gave a card, he gave a few cards away to homeless people. He took this task very seriously and did not give them all out in one day. It was over several months before we handed all 10 out. What I did not notice at the time was the miracles happening all around us while he was doing this. That was because my mind believed at that time that miracles had to be big events, that miracles had an order of difficulty. So on this one occasion, when we were giving one to a homeless person, sorry, when he was giving one to a homeless person in Toronto, This man was very confused at first when my son handed over this card. I had let my son approach the man and I stood about 15 feet back because I wanted this to be his experience, not mine. The man looked from my son to me and back and forth. 
He looked very confused. So I moved in closer because he seemed quite disturbed about what was going on. Imagine a homeless person confused about a gift. I explained to him that it was my son's wish to give this to him. It was his gift to him. This man's face lit up and I saw the most incredible smile on his face. It was just amazing. He went on to tell us about the food he would buy with it. But all the while, he was searching for something. My son got more confused by the minute. He was looking at me like, what's going on? I told the man to have a wonderful day, and we tried to walk away. And he said, wait, wait, I have something to give to him. This man man, found an old coin that he was saving, and he stated it was his lucky coin. It had, bring, it had brought luck to him, and he wanted my son to have it in exchange for his gift. Thanks for listening. In two weeks' time, on Sunday, May 2nd, I will upload episode number 18 called Reality. The biggest conflict in this world is the real and the unreal. It is a personal choice. It is our personal perception. Reality would seem to be what we see, smell, taste, and touch, and hear in this world. And that would be one form of reality. A reality we created in this world, which is only of this world. The reality I would like to share with you is the one that is of the eternal. And it has, and it, sorry, and it can exist in this world. And we're going to talk about how we can make the eternal exist in this world. It all goes back to choice. God called it free will, and we changed it to perception and choice. Our reality, both in this world and in the internal world, is forever about choice. The biggest roadblock is people's inability to see that they have a choice and that they have the ability to change their perception, then in turn, changing their choice. In closing, I feel not only that this is a podcast, but also a form for making connections. I know you listen to my voice and hear the teachings of A Course in Miracles, but this is also an opportunity to reach out and connect people to one another. I just received an email the other day from a lovely woman named Peggy, who lives in Rex, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia in the United States. Hi, Peggy. Peggy reminded me how important it is to emphasize to all of you about the need to make those connections. My podcast is almost two years old, and I talk and you listen. I encourage people to reach out, but few do. This is a time where connections are more important than ever. I mention every week that you can reach out to me personally, and no one does except Peggy. I tell myself that because my numbers continue to increase weekly, I must be doing something right. I'd still love to hear from all of you, and I will answer. Now, in custom to what I've been doing lately, I'd like to say hello to my friends in Huff, Ohio, which is which is a suburb in of Cleveland located in the United States. And I want to tell you right now, to all the people in Huff, thank you for listening. And you are number one. I have more people lif- listening from o- Huff, Ohio than any place else on the planet. I would also like to say hello to my friends and 
to my city of birth, Toronto, Ontario, Hamilton, Ontario, both located in Canada. I would also like to say hello to Walsall, England, and the United Kingdom, and more people from the United States, Seattle, Washington, Anchorage, Alaska, and Las Vegas, Nevada. And lastly, but certainly not least, one person is listening from La Paz, La Paz, and Bolivia. Thank you all for listening. Please continue to review and rate the podcast. Remember, I can be contacted by email at trifectanow3 at gmail.com if you would like to ask a question or share a comment or just say hello. And that email address is in the description of each podcast. Thanks for sharing the love. Remember, this is our journey. Let us together find our way. Live in this moment. It is the only one that truly matters. Love always, Denise.